Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. So with that, um, welcome to church. We're excited you're here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump right into what I'm talking about today. And we, uh, I like to come up with really catchy titles, um, and it's called Depth Perception. And really kind of what I want to talk about today is within the context of depth perception, maybe if you guys don't know what the definition, definition is, I'll read it. It's the ability to perceive the relative distance of objects in one's visual field. It's the ability to look at something and, and really ascertain how far or how close it is. But within that, I think that there's a spiritual depth perception within all of us if we choose to kind of go into those depths where we're able to perceive what God is doing when maybe other people or other situations and circumstances can't. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of the times even in Scripture what you see is that spiritual depth perception actually, actually what it does is it, it brings about the best earthly protection because you're able to see and understand what God's doing, how God's moving, and where God's leading, and ultimately stay in line with that maybe sometimes when other people aren't in line or when it's easier to fall away. And so today, I wanted to talk about really really this idea of depth perception, and it really focuses on the term depth. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't share this at the 8.30, but I believe, I think that this is quickly becoming... Uh, just the term depth is quickly becoming probably one of the most important phrases, I believe, for, for my personal um, health and, and sustainability, but also for the church. Because what you see right now in our world, um, a lot of it is rooted, I would say, in a lack of depth in terms of understanding how God is working and what God is doing. And whether you want to recognize that throughout the Old Testament or the New Testament, all throughout interwoven in Scripture are people who had the ability to look at the circumstance, climate, and situation going on and be able to not look at the surface level of it, but look at the spiritual level of it. And I think this is the challenge in the church today. This is the challenge in life today as we say, all right, I identify as a believer, I follow Jesus, is to not buy into a surface level reasoning but into the depth of the spiritual level of reasoning that is really almost the exact opposite of how our flesh wants to function. And so I really think that a lot of it, though, comes down to this ability to really ask ourselves the question, do I serve a God of I can or he can't, or do I serve a God of he can't? And really a great uh, story of this is I was reading, I'm a shoe guy, and uh, I was reading a not too long ago, a story about a shoe salesman, and this was way in the early 1900s or at the end of the 1800s. They they sent a shoe salesman out um, into the wild, wild west, and out there, essentially, he was selling these shoes, and and they sent this shoe salesman, and he and he wrote a telegraph back, and he said, "Hey, you know, I can't I can't sell any shoes out here. Everybody's wearing boots, and everybody's and everybody else doesn't really want any of these shoes." And so ultimately, they sent. He said, send me back because I'd like to sell someplace where people actually want to buy them. And so essentially they sent him back and they sent a new salesman out. And that new salesman wrote a telegraph back right away and said, hey, I need more help out here. Everybody only wears boots and nobody's ever seen these shoes before. And now everybody wants to buy them. And I was laughing because what was it? It was a perspective shift. Okay, they don't know it. They don't. And because they don't know it or haven't seen it, they don't want it. 
But there was a mindset shift in the other one where he was like, well, they don't know it. They've never seen it. And because of it, when they experience it, they'll want it. And I think this is kind of what I want to talk about today is I think a lot of the times it is just so easy to, to write off all of Christian activity as almost like it's too hard, it takes too much time, or the only time we truly respond to something spiritually is when it's a place of crisis or trauma. What do I mean by this? I, I think a lot of the times what happens is when God has our attention is when everything that's had our attention has failed us and now we can only listen to him. That's it. And I think even in this season, maybe for a long time, God has been one of a bunch of voices, but not the voice. And so what's interesting is during this season, when all of the voices seem to be saying something different, we almost have to tune in to him. But it's easy to filter him through everything that's going on and not necessarily filter everything going on through him. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, I remember... Uh, one of the worst jobs you could have in our household is picking up sticks. And uh, it was awful. Um, what does that mean? We had a couple acres of land, and my dad liked an immaculate lawn. So what that meant is, is every time he went to mow, if there was a storm, and uh, his definition was from the elbow to the tip of the finger, anything bigger than that. Now, if you think about it, if a storm blows in, and there's, you know, 50 trees, and these trees get shaken up and blown, and, and you got to pick up sticks from here to here on a couple acres. You do the math. And so I remember what you, you never wanted to have stick duty. And the best part was, is like, I grew up, I always worked a job. I had a job all throughout high school and most of the time through middle school. It did not matter what you had going on. The only excuse is if it was church-related. But if, if, it did not matter what you had going on. If you got asked to do sticks, that you were doing sticks. You were doing them. And so I remember walking out, and here's the funny thing is a lot of the times you'd go out and you'd pick up sticks for three hours, come back in, and my dad would just walk out on the deck. Yeah, I see a stick out there. You head on back out there. It's like, it's like dude, you didn't even walk. What are you talking about? It, it did not matter. He would find sticks to make sure that thing was perfect. But it would take hours and hours. But one day I remember I was out there, and I'm, no lie, walking around picking up sticks. And as I'm walking around picking up sticks, dead serious, a branch falls from the sky from this stair all the way to that microphone. I mean, massive, and lands on top of me. And I remember, I like kind of have a beat up shoulder, and like, but I'm like, oh, dang, might be able to get out of sticks today. <laughs> and I remember, I, I ultimately kind of go over, and as I go over, I'm like, kind of like milking it a little bit. My dad never lets anything off the hook, but him and my mom look at this tree branch, and they're like, oh my gosh, it just fell on you? Yeah, you go inside. You can take a break. I'm like, oh, yes, thank you. You got shit. Yeah, it's true. And it'd be like, where's your brother? <laughs> but, but in all honesty, I think that's kind of how we go through life is that essentially, right, is when something falls on us that knocks us off, it's easy to be like, okay, how can I use this or what do I need to do or blah, blah, blah. And I think this is where it gets interesting is that if we could be a people who lived within the context of, Father, I'm always in your depths, not just when something falls on me, not just when something gets in my way, not just when something unexpected and unforeseen happens, but I will live in the depths of your character and of your heart always. See, that's the place that we're called to live. But man, a lot of the times what it is is we have response-based faith where essentially we have things that happen that we have to respond to. 
And instead of living this lifestyle of 24-7, 365 faith, we almost go through of like, okay, well, I need to have faith now, so I'll have it. Well, maybe, I, maybe I, this is in front of me, so I guess God kind of give me the faith to get over it. Instead of just walking, we're, and here's the best thing about depth, is that when you have depth, when something comes across your plate where you're like, man, this is big, this is out, this is outside my norm, I don't know if I can get through this, I don't know if I understand this, whatever it is, when that comes across your plate, from a place of depth, you look at it and say, well, God can handle that still. He handled that, and I'm walking with him, and I, I have that peace that surpasses understanding, as it says in Scripture. I have the Holy Spirit, which the definition is the advocate, the comforter, and the standby. See, when you have depth, all of these terms aren't just terms that you throw out. They're terms that you could stand on. You know, there's a passage of Scripture that really challenged me. A lot of us, and I can, I'm going to look it up on my phone, actually, after this for the next service. But I was just thinking about it. A lot of the times in the New Testament, it talked about building your house on the rock. And so when the storms would come, ultimately you stay standing. But in one translation, in one passage of Scripture, it actually says that when streams break out against your foundation, you stay standing. How many of you guys ever seen streams break out against a foundation? Like, it's one thing to have a storm and a surge and all that stuff. and to found, But essentially, God's like, listen, I want you so safe and secure that not just water, not just storms, but a stream can break out against you, and you don't move. That's depth. And I think the challenge of today is us understanding how important it is to cultivate depth and ultimately what that depth can do for our lives. So what I want to do is I want to read a quick story, and it's in Luke chapter 5. And in this, it's really the title of this chapter is Jesus Calls His First Disciples. And actually what you see is this is, uh, this is James, John, and Simon, who's also known as Peter. Now what you need to realize is, is that we're going to kind of focus in on some wording. But this is Jesus' first interaction with three of the most pivotal apostles in all of the New Testament. This is his first moments. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read the story and kind of break it down. It says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of G. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into the one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Pause. This is, and you can probably debate, but this is the first recorded words we have of Jesus talking to Peter. Push out into the deep. Now, there are so many meanings, obviously, within the context of being a fisherman, but man, once again, depth perspective, we look at this word and these, this group of words, and we're like, okay, if we push out into the deep, right, yes, we might make a catch, sure, but what does it mean to be somebody who, and, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, constantly pursues these depths without ever really being commanded, hey, go into the deep, but rather, Father, I'm always going for the deep. And so Peter, the first words ever uttered, right? Hey, let's push off into the deep. Then it says this. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. 
And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And then listen to this, verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. So what I want to do is I want to talk about today how to cultivate a depth that catches a life worth living. How do you cultivate a depth that catches a life worth living? I said this earlier, and, and it, it's something that really um, I've thought about, I feel like, pretty recently a lot, is this idea. You know, when you grew up, I remember going to elementary school and how often people would be like, you know, you're going to change the world, or what do you want to be when you grow up? And for me, it was NFL football player all the way till I was 29. <laughs> I'm 29 right now. <laughs> But like, here's the deal. We always had this desire, and I think innately in all of us, we want to leave a significance. We want to make a difference. We want to change the world inherently. And then what happens is, is the responsibilities start to pile up. And the maturation takes place where ultimately, oh, that's just what we tell you to believe as a child. And so ultimately we start to blend into this seven or eight billion people existence to where we almost live devoid of meeting just because we have to meet the responsibilities in order to survive. And I think a lot of the times what happens is, I'm gonna say this, some of the most, you know, the, the most spiritual depth I've ever experienced from people were not from ministers. We're not from people from platforms. It was not from people who had all of the biblical knowledge and the theological credential. It wasn't from people who you would look and say, okay, I, it was from people who had nine to fives, from stay-at-home moms. And I think this is the biggest thing is a lot of the times what we do is we try to uh, differentiate between that can be a world changer, but I can't. And that's so anti-biblical within the context of everything Jesus did. I mean, it's, it's just like, what I see in scripture is this, those who chose to pursue Jesus and the depth that came with him were allowed to live a life that truly made a difference and not just allowed, but they created history with it. The people who chose, Father, I will pursue you. I will push off from comfort, from complacency, from safety. I will push into the depths. Those who did that not only lived a life full of meaning, but they left an impact. And I think this is where it gets interesting for me is when have we sold or bought this counterfeit good of existence of whether it's consumerism or, or narcissism or whatever it is where we just go through this life of just superficial gain and selfish reasonings. Rather than God, I choose every day to push off into the depths knowing that you will give me what my soul and spirit craves. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but the pursuit of cultural happiness versus the pursuit of kingdom wholeness is two different things. See, we've said we even since the beginning of our country, happiness has been this constitutional thing that you can only pursue. We're not even sure if you can attain, but wholeness, this is what God is after, your spirit being whole. And I think a lot of the times what we try to do is we try to quantify what wholeness is or what effectancy is or what significance is. And I'll be honest, to me, significance is a story like Nick's where you, you step outside of your comfort zone and you have a profound moment with somebody that really reshapes how you think about something or sticks in your mind. And I think for a lot of us, when I ask us the question, how do we cultivate a life that catches, or how do we cultivate a depth that catches a life worth living? We have to ask ourselves that question. Am I living a life that doesn't have a ton of depth right now? 
And here's the deal. I'm not saying this from a condemnation way or like, oh, that's terrible if you're not. But what I am saying is that if you're living a life that doesn't have a lot of spiritual depth, you're missing out on the fullness of Christ. When you don't have the depth with the Father, the communion and the relationship that truly he was intended for. When, you, we don't, when we miss the context and the point of truly what that is and what that means, and we settle for Sunday mornings, a couple sound bites, and maybe two or three worship songs throughout the week, we miss the fullness of what we're created to live in. So what I want to do is I want to talk about how to cultivate a depth that catches a life worth living. Three f- quick things. The first one, you serve hey, anywhere, anyone, and anytime God. Never forget that. And anywhere, anyone, and anytime God. You know what's interesting is that I think we look at the Bible and it's so easy to just be like, all right, this is what I just read. This is what it means. But pause. If I looked at you and said, hey, did you know Jesus was a construction worker for 10 or more years? When was the last time you you rolled up to a construction site and was like, man, there might be a Messiah working on this house? Here's another one. He was born in Nazareth. Historians say that Nazareth actually at the time of Jesus' birth was estimated to be in between 200 and 1,600 people. What does that mean? The place Jesus was born, the Messiah of the world, was half the size of Hartford, Michigan. Man, does that offend your mind a little bit? If I looked at you and said, hey, the Messiah of all humanity is going to be a construction worker and born in a town half the size of Hartford, Michigan. I think a lot of us would struggle to believe that. And that's okay. But here's the biggest thing. You know what depth perspective allows you to do? Okay, well, what what does the Bible say about that? Oh, there was prophecies about this stuff. Oh, what what is his teaching? Oh, there's authority and power in it. See, that's what a lot of it was. Actually, it says over and over and over in Scripture, something that's very convicting to me, is when Jesus would read or teach in the synagogues, and they would say, they would literally say this, they were astonished because he knew the scripture, but he also taught with authority. He didn't teach like the scribes that knew the scripture and didn't have authority. Man, that's, for me, somebody who likes to talk about the Bible and preach on it, I would say this, if we know the Bible, but don't have the authority to deliver it, man, talk about missing our calling. And so depth perspective allows you to know God, but also have the authority in God to truly bring about change, to make a difference, to do things that you maybe thought you couldn't do. Why? Because when we look and say, God, it's not my own depth. It's my depth of the knowledge and the certainty of you. I can step out knowing that you'll meet me. And so this story really, like I said, I mean, Here's another one. Jesus tells him to push out into the depths in the middle of the day. Now, I'm going to pause. Some of us maybe don't have a, have a background of understanding uh, fishing in the Middle East in Jesus' time. Now, the closest thing you, could, you can actually summarize to what that fishing looked like, it was gilly nets, which is essentially a bunch of nets that are kind of tied together that fish swim into and then get caught. So it's a bigger net and then kind of a smaller net and maybe sometimes a medium net. And so here's the thing, though, is back then they didn't have like, you know, crazy different ways of making fishing nets. They only had rope. And so what would happen is, is they would fish all night. Why? Because nobody wants to fish in the Middle East in the middle of the day because it is hot with a capital H-A-W. It is hot. And then what happens, right? They get to the shore, and then what they have to do is they have to clean out not one net, but multiple nets of the fish. And then guess what? 
they have to leave the nets to dry out because guess what? Wet rope is a lot heavier than dry rope. So they have three nets that they have cleaned out. They've fished all night. They haven't slept. They're leaving them out to dry. And you know what Jesus says? Hey, why don't we push out into the deep? Yo, I just worked an all-nighter, finished cleaning. I'm walking to my car to leave my shift. And you're saying, hey, you want to work a 16? That don't make sense. But you know what, Deb's perspective? Well, at your word, I'll do it. See, what we try to do, and like I said, from an understanding basis, is if I looked at you and said, okay, the Messiah is going to be a construction worker for 10 years. No theological degree, nothing like that. Just to construct. He's going to be born in, in Hartford. He's going to do some of the things that he's doing right now. See, see, human depth would look at this and be like, none of this makes sense. None of it makes sense. But you know what? That's not what we're called to live. We're not called to live with human reasoning. We're supposed to apply the biblical and spiritual reasoning to our human existence. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. How to cultivate a, li- a depth that catches a life worth living, the first one. You serve an anywhere, anyone, anytime God. Never forget that. Never forget that at any, he can use any person's $5 bill. He can use any fishing boat. He can use any town. He can use any job profession. If we haven't hammered that home right now, I pray that it is because that is the, the biblical example of Jesus is that it did not matter upbringing, educational stance, racial, ethnicity, social, economical class, whatever it is, it did not matter. If there was obedience, willingness, and a pursuit of the depths, guess what? I'm going to use it. Second one is this. If you're fishing for things that don't matter, don't be surprised when you come up empty. You know, this one's funny because think about it. And and really, I want to ask us the question is this, is it says that when Jesus saw them and asked them to go into the boat, they were tending their nets. Now, how many guys know that's important to do, but the job of a fisherman is, yes, you have to tend the nets, but really where you make your money is, is catching fish. It's catching fish. And I think a lot of the times what happens is, is that maybe we tend our nets, wash our nets, do everything with our nets and forget to use them. We do everything needed to be used by God except step out and actually do what he's called us to do. See, we can have all the knowledge in the world. We can understand everything in the world. But if we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, that's a tough place to be. And in this instance, in this situation, what's going on is Jesus is looking and saying, I know you've done everything, but I'm going to give you the one thing that everything you do revolves around, and that's the fish. See, you've done all you can do to get the fish, but you haven't got them. But because of your pursuit and your obedience to me, I'll give you what you need. What if I told you right now, right, that, the, that maybe you've been pursuing or orchestrating your life around things that, that don't matter, and you're coming up empty. What if you could just orchestrate and kind of align yourself around Jesus and see if he does anything that matters? What if you just revolved, maybe added one behavior this week. Whether that's, okay, I'm going to spend 10 or 15 minutes reading the Bible. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
look for communion or, or community and, and try to find somebody who I know is maybe a little bit more ahead of me and ask them kind of what is it that, what's a spiritual discipline or posture I can add to my life? See, this is the biggest thing is I think a lot of the times we get frustrated with God because we functioned our way for so long and we've never actually added in any of his behaviors and our nets are empty and we're asking him why and he's saying because you're only doing it your way and wondering why you're not living in my way. It's like, if you want to actually have a return, a kingdom return, you have to have a kingdom mindset. Some of us, we want to, fo- we want to do all the things in the kingdom, but don't want to follow the king. See, that's maybe how our world works, but that's not how the kingdom works. How to cultivate a depth that catches a life worth living. The first, you serve in anywhere, anyone, anytime. God, never forget it. The second, if you're fishing for things that don't matter, don't be surprised when you come up empty. And the third one, you can't have a shallow lifestyle and pursue the depths of God. You know, we talked about this but that, right at the tail end here, but here's the thing. Remember this story, what was happening. It said that he, was, he, pulled, he got to the banks. They had this crazy catch of fish. They've got, these bolts are literally breaking, and they pull up on the beach. And let's read that last little verse that some of us maybe forget. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Pause. They just hauled in the catch of a lifetime. And when those boats got to land and God says, you're going to be fishers of men, not fishers of this anymore. You know what they did? All right, we'll leave it behind. Pause. You want to know historians say that that catch of fish was anywhere between three and 12 months worth of wages. So your entire life, You've wanted a catch this big. You get that catch and God immediately says, will you leave that catch behind because you maybe can catch more with me. See, the human tendency, wow, look at that catch. God's tendency, there's a lot more than that. See, human tendency, three to 12 months worth of fish. God tendency, hey, follow me. There's, I'm actually the catch, not that. And man, some of us, right, this is so hard. If you think about it, right, if you're sitting in there, you got that scratch-off lotto ticket, boom, three months' wages. Somebody taps you on the shoulder, hey, leave that, let's go follow God, right? Yeah, right. That's, it's preposterous to even think about that God would lead them into the depths, give them the catch of fish, get them to the shore and say, all right, let's go. But that's what depth perception does, is it looks and says, okay, I just got that from following him, I wonder what else he will give me if I'm willing to sacrifice to follow. And man, a lot of the times, sacrificing to follow is the last thing we want to do, but it is directly tied to our fulfillment and the depth of understanding who God has called us to be. It's following. It's obedience. It's looking at the, the boats that he just broke with a blessing and saying, you know what, I'll leave that behind, trusting that another blessing's in front of me as long as I choose to pursue him. Man, that's a crazy depth to have, is when you can look at the thing you've wanted your entire life and walk away from it if God tells you to, because you know, deep down, he's got you. That's depth. That's depth, church. And so what I want to do is I just wanted to challenge us on these I wanted to challenge, and here's the deal. If you noticed, I didn't give you a list. I didn't give you a list of what it takes to get depth. You know why? It's not a list that you follow. It's a lifestyle that you model. 
and, a, and that lifestyle is not okay. Boom, 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 boom. I'm telling you this. If I did what I do now five years ago, I had to grow into what that depth looked like. I had to grow in. And every single month, every single day, every single week, I'm asking God, is there a new model you want for my depth? Is there a new thing you're asking me to do? Is Because depth is an everyday occurrence. You can't sit on the shoreline and fish in the shallows and wonder why you don't have a life of depth. It is your choice to push off the shore, go over the shallow, and go into the deep. See, and in a culture and in a world that wants to predicate our entire existence on shallow commitments... Shallow friendships, shallow existences, and then wonder why we don't make an eternal existence, an eternal significance. I pray that we realize that the depth of our commitment will always, always, always pay off if we're willing to consistently follow it over and over again. It's your choice today, church. Let's all stand to our feet.